0: What is up, everybody? A little pre-podcast intro for you today. We're going to be podcasting with Lydia Smith. She's an amazing hunter, phenomenal artist. She's she's a hunting guy, just a really, really cool person, really cool story. But that's not all. We're teasing something right now. We're teasing something that's going to hit tomorrow. So if you're listening today, October 24th of 2022, you're going to want to pay attention tomorrow. October 25th, 2022, you're going to want to watch uh, uh, our, our, our socials, listen to the 10-minute talk that's going to detail everything that I'm alluding to right now. You can check the website and uh, maybe make a purchase. Maybe make a purchase benefiting uh, an organization that specializes in conservation. Hopefully, I'm being uh, specific and vague enough at the same time here, but just really cool stuff going on here. And uh yeah, that's it. That's all I'm going to tell you. Stay tuned. Tune in.
1: I was able to get a really awesome opportunity, and I shot this back um, solo, and that was probably like that at that time was my biggest accomplishment ever. It's it was very emotional, and in like the accomplish the accomplishment of knowing you did that yourself um, is something that's so rewarding.
0: All right, what is up, everybody? We are sitting down today with special guest Lydia Smith. Now we're going to, we're going to cover the many the many facets of of Lydia today. A very interesting, accomplished in, uh, individual, uh, and I guess the the all encompassing topic is uh, making a living in the mountains. And I'm sure we're going to you know uh, ebb and flow and go right and left from there, but that's kind of the core of what we're going to talk about today. But Lydia, I mean, uh, Hunter, very active on social media. Uh, Rider with Writer with W R I T E R and then R I D E R when it comes to like your your horse racing things like that. Correct. You've trained a wild Mustang. You hunt solo, and you have uh, just uh, y- your art career. I mean, just is the phenomenal, phenomenal uh, wildlife art. So yeah, Thank super you. excited to uh, to chat with you today, just about about you, who you are, what you have going on, how you got there. Just uh, you know, just wrap up your your life in just uh, a nutshell, <laughs> which is probably not the easiest thing to do, but.
1: Old. I'll do my best, but I'm definitely excited to be here as well. So,
0: so yeah, welcome. So to start off, you know, on the hunt side, uh, which is super cool. I always I always find it interesting to like talk with somebody about how they got into hunting because i think for people who are maybe just getting into hunting just hearing those stories about a person's path um can like help them with their with their hunting journey um and they're all a little bit different so maybe you know talk a little bit how you got interested in the outdoors and, and hunting specifically
1: right so i like since birth i think i've just had a very natural uh passion for outdoors i've always wanted to go camping or shooting um, you know, red horses, whatever it was. Um, but my family didn't hunt growing up, so I wasn't really surrounded by that. Um, but, you know, watching movies and, like, reading books about the mountain men and Native Americans and everything, I thought it was very, very interesting to me. And I've always just really been very passionate about the wildlife, and a big part of that kind of led to con- uh, conservation. And so I started figuring out Kind of like what that meant and you know the balance that needed to happen with wild game and obviously i like meeting uh eating meat too so it was like kind of a win-win and i think starting at the age 10 is when i like really wanted to start getting into it i did have a neighbor who hunted and he would always invite me my brother over to play with his dogs and he had deer mounts uh, in his house and i thought they were so cool usually that would scare a little girl but i thought they were very interesting right and um I always asked him about it, and he's like, oh, yeah, like, you know, the whole hunting spiel is like, oh, well, you should take me, you know, like, I asked him and my dad all the time, you should take me for my birthday, because my birthday is October uh, 13th, which is, like, in the middle of, like, you know, OTC uh, deer season, so um, perfect time, and (laughs) and they never did, so at the age of 16, I eventually saved up enough money to do my online hunter's ed course and then do uh, field day classes, and so I had my mom drop me off, I'd do all that, um, and then once I got my uh, permit for hunting, I didn't really know what to do. So that kind of sat in my room for about two more years before I finally got my uh, hunting license and a deer tag. And so that's like the first moment I actually stepped out and hunted something. Um, but I've always like felt very ready for it and very excited about it. And that was very uh, uh, a very big learning curve for me. Um, Obviously, I did not know what I was getting myself into. (laughs) My body was not conditioned for it. It was a very hard hunt. Um, I did end up harvesting a deer um, (laughs) right off the road about 300 yards. (laughs) It was lovely. It was like the last day of the season. I was like, I'm going to take what I can get. And uh, I just remember, I think that was the first time I had mule deer uh, venison, and it was amazing, and I loved it. And I'm like, well, this is just amazing. Like, I love everything about it. I love, you know, the challenge that uh, it came with. Like, it pushed me uh, to do things that I haven't done before. And it was a very physical, mental, you know, emotional experience that was very rewarding. And it was, like, very uh, addicting. It's, like, just kind of naturally, like, that's what I felt like. Um, I was meant to do so. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I mean, it definitely sounds like it was something that you know, just kind of like an, an inner fire. Mm-hmm. It, I mean, because particularly like at that age, like that takes a lot of initiative without you know, yep. like a you know, a quotation mark strong honey mentor or right. family member. Um, I mean, you did a lot of that on your own. Yeah. What like what for you for you know maybe for a person who is like in a similar position, like, what would, what would you tell them? Like, what were some of the obstacles or, like, the challenges that, that you kind of had to overcome there? And then, you know, what would you tell a person, you know, like if they are trying to do the same thing?
1: Um, so I know a lot of it, like, came with learning to take the initiative um, because a lot of people like kind of wait for somebody to like put, um, you know, kind of help their hand into the door or whatever. And so, for me, I didn't have anyone who really helped me with that. And so it was a lot of just taking the initiative and doing my research on what I needed to do to get to that point. And so um, I'd get on, you know, Google and it's just like Idaho hunting, whatever. Cause I didn't know about fishing game or anything, you know? And luckily that's what, you know, typing in like Idaho hunting or whatever, cause that's where I'm from. Um, led me to the Idaho fishing game website um, and then luckily my dad actually had a fish and game officer work for him, uh, with his company. And he helped me a lot, like telling me, you know, what to do, uh, where to go to get like my permit and everything. And back then you had to take like an eight hour online course. Now you don't have to do that where I live anymore. Um, and that was a very long thing for me, <laughs> Right. but I got it done cause I was like really wanted, you know, just to do it. And so like I spent my own time, um, you know, uh getting that figured out, and then as well as getting to the point of going to the field day um, and getting my hunting permit. And after that, like, I'm pretty stumped because actually getting out and hunting is a lot different than just getting your permit. And so I grew up shooting guns, so I was very familiar with guns and rifles. That wasn't my issue. It was more so where do I find the deer? (laughs) Like, where do I even start? And that's a pretty big deal. i'm I'm
0: still trying to figure that out actually so yeah
1: (laughs) and so when i like get really passionate about something i will do what i can to figure that out like learn everything i can about it so like google is a great resource for me like it's where i've learned a ton of my stuff um like i didn't grow up watching hunting videos or anything i did not know anything and google was a good help um it kind of like Showed me like this, so I got on my Idaho, Idaho fishing game website. I saw the units, zones, um, kind of like population of deer numbers in each zone, whatever. Um, but I also grew up going uh, camping a lot and going outdoors, so I kind of knew where some deer were. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, I'm gonna start in this place because I remember seeing deer there. But now I got to figure out what's public land and what's private land. And so, um, luckily. I did have a friend who helped me like, oh yeah, we can go up here. This is National Forest. I'm like, okay, cool. Great. And so we'd go up there and we'd go hiking and we just started hiking and it was awful. We did way more hiking. That was (laughs) like way more hiking than necessary. Um, I wasn't really like big into like the glassing yet, you know, all of this stuff. And so, um, but I think for me, like if I were to tell somebody who's kind of, who was in that situation as I was in, it's like, you just need to take that initiative and you need to You know, work for it, do that research if you don't have anyone there to help you. Um, Because that's kind of like where I started. I literally didn't have any help until I like, you know, later in my hunting experience. Um, But it was a really big learning curve for me. Uh, I really appreciate that I went through it because now with everything else I do, like I take that initiative. Um, But I think that's a really big part. People just get a little bit stumped and they kind of quit instead of really pushing themselves to figure out what they need to do to get something done and um I think that's a pretty big part of what I would tell somebody um and then just doing your research and you can ask locals you know like farmers just like hey like where do you know know where the deer are like could I maybe hunt your property like things like that just to get a start you know your foot in the door so um yeah along the lines of that that's probably kind of what I would like um them toward
0: yeah I mean that your path was probably one of the more challenging ones like hey I don't really have somebody to show me the ropes here but I want to do it and like you said you took all that initiative do you like I'd imagine in some ways like you'd learn more like Mm -hmm. going through that process or or at least you know definitely have a lot of um you know be able to take a lot of pride in what you are learning and it's uh I'm speculating here but you know, you definitely are paving your own way and maybe it's a little bit of a longer road to success, even though it sounds like you found some success like your first year, but (laughs) with a lot of hard work, but, um, you know, you definitely did it, did the hard way, which is, which is cool, you know? And and again, like I said, for, for a young person, that's, you know, um, for, for really anybody, I mean, anytime you get into something new, like it's super intimidating and then, um, you know, you're talking about the regulations, like any uh, big game hunting pamphlet, like I don't really care what state it is. I mean, you can be very well versed in big game hunting and big game regulations. And that's another intimidating thing because like you you don't want to, you don't want to break the law, but there's a lot of rules. So, you know, digesting all that information and boiling it down to like the parts that pertain to you. Um, is, uh, you know, it can be, can be challenging.
1: Yeah, very much so. And, you know, you do learn a lot of that through Hunter Ed, um, and like your courses, but even then there's a lot of things that you might forget or it might not cover, you know, like with, um, daylight hours, um, age groups, like, you know, like only a certain age can shoot, like in Idaho, um, you have to be 18 and under to shoot a doe OTC. Um, and so a lot of people don't know that. And so luckily it happened right before my birthday, um and all these things so there's just a lot more that goes into it than you do like that you'd like realize and so doing the research is such an important part especially because if you mess up you could literally go to jail if it's like that bad right um and nobody likes that no no, not at all (laughs) i'm not going back (laughs) (laughs) exactly and so it's like a pretty big deal and like i've made mistakes that i didn't know like there's a lot of like winter closures there's like all these things that like you don't know about until you either make the mistake or you figure it out by doing research and I've definitely like you know made mistakes that I, ne- I didn't know about and right. and all these things and you know you learn from it um, and you don't do it again obviously right. but all this stuff um, but yeah it is very intimidating like not coming from a hunting family or really anyone to like really help you or guide you through that like mm-hmm. learning process.
0: So and it sounds like you know you kind of started off Solo, and that's translated a little bit even to how you hunt a fair amount now. So maybe talk through like what that's like, you know, uh, hunting solo, uh, on kind of like, you know, an even grander scale. Like it's, it's no longer like, Oh, I'm hunting solo on a day trip. It's no, I'm going to pack back in here with either just, you know, uh, my backpack or Mm -hmm. potentially with horses. You know, we talked about you, uh, being, um, having a big interest and passion for horses. So like how, like what's that like now and what types of things are you doing in that regard?
1: So, uh, the solo thing, um, I personally have been like a very independent person growing up, so like that part of it wasn't very hard for me, Mm -hmm. like being able to go out and do something on my own. Um, I was very much kind of a black sheep in my family, as in what I loved to do was very different from the rest of my family. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I just kind of learned to do things on my own and I was okay with it. So uh, with the hunting aspect, um, I think the year after I got... So the year I started hunting, the year after that and years prior... There were definitely some hunts i'd go with people on but there's a lot of hunts where i didn't because i didn't really have people to go with and my first solo hunt that i think i ever did was my pronghorn um hunt four or five years ago i think it would have been five five seasons ago this year and i think i hunted with um actually rocky Jacobson for the first like couple of days, and we sat in a blind, and I hated it. It was very hot and <laughs> sweating to death. And he had to leave, and I stayed and um, set up camp, and I did spot and stocking. And that's kind of like where I started my pronghorn journey. Um, and I learned so much that season. Like, I mean, I would even like, you know, Google as my best friend, it's like, you know, what their behaviors were, and I'd like studied them myself. Um, and I probably made over 40 stocks that year. It was ridiculous. And the day I locked down and killed my buck i had already walked 10 miles um in the heat absolutely horrible but that's just kind of a normal thing now like with pronghorn hunting it's <laughs> pretty funny um i was able to get a really awesome opportunity and i shot this buck um solo and that was probably like that at that time was my biggest accomplishment ever like obviously i was crying you know typical <laughs> but <laughs> um i do the same thing yeah it's it was very emotional and it's just so much work, like, in like, the, accomplish- the accomplishment of knowing you did that yourself um, is v- something that's so rewarding. And um, I think for me personally, um, it's just, like, this challenge that you're not really get- going to get anywhere else because it's solely you. Like, any mistake you make is on you. Mm-hmm. No one else. Like, all these things. And I think your reward is just even greater. I mean, I love Uh, sharing a hunt with someone, but I equally love solo hunting.
0: Yeah. Yeah, there's definitely they're both super important Mm -hmm. uh, and you're just getting a different set of things out of them at times i mean even you know if you're hunting together with somebody like it's definitely rewarding like if you guys find success together and Mm -hmm. and there's the teamwork and the camaraderie and being able to share that with somebody and be like oh it was so awesome i can't you know you kind of have that more immediate or or that shared experience but you know when you're solo like it's like like you said every every decision is up to you and there's definitely um like a big amount of freedom that comes with it. Just Very. the decision-making and you can make decisions fast. And you're like, well, right, wrong. Otherwise it's on me. And you, and you don't have that pressure of like, well, if I, this is what I think we should do, but I don't want to screw it up, you know, for this person. Right. Um, and actually for, for new hunters, I feel like sometimes, well, no, one thing that I, well, I guess I like focus group of one, one thing that I would tell a new hunter that I was hunting with is like, don't worry about screwing it up. Like you're not right. gonna hurt my feelings. Like I screw things up all the time. Like it's not, so I guess where I'm going with that is like, I feel like there's a lot of pressure. People don't want to screw that up for somebody else. Right, right. Um, but yeah, don't don't put that on yourself though.
1: So. Right, right. Um, I also feel like too, like solo hunting, like being able to accomplish something like that by yourself is really like self-fulfilling. Uh, mm-hmm. um, very, very cool to have. Um, but the same thing with, like, making mistakes or, like, screwing up. I actually, like, obviously, in the moment, it really sucks when you screw up on a hunt or something. But I feel like those are your biggest learning moments. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what makes you a better hunter. And so I don't necessarily want mistakes to happen. But I will take them in the best way I can to, like, increase my skill as a hunter to become better. Yeah. Um, and so when I'm hunting with somebody else and that happens... Like, obviously, it's really hard, like, if it was that person's fault not to get mad at them and, like, all these things. But, like, you can actually still take that and learn from it, even though there's, you know, it was somebody else's fault. It's like, well, what could I have done differently? Maybe I could have told them to, like, you know, be quiet, or, like, a little more quiet or, like, told them to stay over here. Like, I just feel like anything that you do go through is a learning experience, whether or not you're by yourself. Um, mm-hmm And I think a lot of people get into their heads, and something I would tell people is not to get discouraged at all when you're hunting, because that makes the situation so much worse. Um, I have never had a good outcome where I've gotten discouraged, Mm -hmm. and my energy has been very negative. Um, And I think that is actually a pretty big thing. I know a lot of hunters who have given up on their hunts because of it, and, you know, that's that. You know, you eat your tag and whatever, so...
0: Yeah, I mean, that, and it's, like, it's easy to get discouraged, Very. or it can be, you know. I mean, I'm sure you've been there where it's, like, oh, man, it's a long hunt. It's like, <laughs> you're grinding it out. You haven't seen anything. And then, or maybe then you finally do see something, and then you, you blow the opportunity. You're, like, oh, my gosh, this is, like, day five. I haven't seen oh, a yeah. thing, <laughs> and now I've blown it. You're, like, so, like, oh, I've got, you know, one more day to hunt or whatever. Like, you know, it's tough to keep your head in the game, <laughs> you know, or you're just not – seeing anything at all and and it's tough to keep your head in right. the game because you kind of get lulled into this just like yeah like you know you kind of feel like it's just never gonna happen like it's not in the cards but man like <laughs> it can happen like it you does know, yeah you, eventually you'll have a hunt where you are reminded that like it can't happen at any time like i was oh, saying man. Yep. you know the fr- it could happen the first 30 seconds or the last 30 seconds you don't I've, know
1: oh well, yeah i've had like all sorts of like kind of hunts like that. Like I went one September where I took two showers the whole month of September and I literally did not have one opportunity till the like second to last day. And I was still not very like, (laughs) like I learned from this big time, but I had the perfect opportunity, a beautiful, like, you know, 290 class bowl, just a satellite bowl, freaking beautiful, like, you know, huffing and puffing come right into me. And I screwed it up because I didn't think to stop him. And so, and I ruined my chance and it was gone and it was hard. Like I took it like pretty hard. Like it was just, uh, it was a horrible moment at the time, but I learned from it. And, you know, I've been able to kill uh, bulls since then because I learned, you know, to stop the bull or like, you know, wait for this moment instead of, you know, just shooting, like things like that. And so um, it can get very discouraging, but you, gotta just keep going, especially with pronghorn hunting. That is one thing I love so much about it. It's a very mental game Mm -hmm. because you're seeing them all day. You can make multiple stocks on pronghorn a day, but, you know, pushing through the heat and the belly crawling and messing up stock after stock, it gets very tiring. And most of my seasons go um, on with making a ton of stocks before I ever get opportunity, Mm -hmm. or I might get an opportunity and something screws it up. Like two years ago, I think, I was 50 yards uh, within a bedded buck in his does, and was just about to draw back on him, and some guy in a truck decided to floor his his uh, diesel truck engine, and it just freaking, whoa, and the deer, or the pronghorn got up and took off, and I was like, lovely. <laughs> that wasn't even my fault, <laughs> but, <laughs> you know, stuff like that's gonna happen, and you just gotta, gotta keep positive. You gotta, so. Yeah,
0: you get, I mean, you gotta roll with it. I mean, like you said, hunting is a dynamic fluid thing and some things you
1: have control over but and some you don't
0: <laughs> yeah a lot of things a lot of things you don't which is why you know why it's so amazing right it's the
1: challenge so
0: um super cool super cool so um what about um like what would you tell somebody about like overcoming like um like just like the mental hunting solo like being by yourself you know i mean that can be pretty intimidating as yeah. well
1: i do think it does take a certain amount of independence and confidence Mm -hmm. in yourself um because there's some people who just like don't have that and you know they're okay not going solo which is fine but a lot of people who want to like get to that point and they're a little nervous too um is usually because they don't know enough things about going solo Mm -hmm. and so like for me I always take a handgun with me just for my own personal protection especially for women you know that's just kind of a thing you should do um but also like you know learning like getting your food ready your tent like you know letting people know where you are like all of these things um and doing it by yourself is a lot more work and it's a little more scary for somebody who might be um not used to it or you know wants to get into it just not really sure how and so i guess i would just say like do your planning because that's a very very important thing about going solo because if something happens you want to have other people to you know, like be like, oh, well, they're not here today when they're supposed to be, so we need to go out and you know find them or whatever. Um, you just need to take those extra precautions. Um, take more than less, aka like your food, your gear. Um, maybe you're gonna have a storm you don't know about and all your gear's uh wet, and don't have any extras, like you know, take extra and all of this stuff. Um, and you'll definitely like learn the more you go out. And I think the more you go out, the more confident you're gonna get. So, um I guess, like, just start, you know, just just go out and start. Make sure you have, you know, good planning. Take those precautions and just go for it because that's how you're going to learn.
0: Mm-hmm. You
1: can't just sit at home and try to gain the confidence. Like, you need to go out and do it. So it's a lot of pushing yourself beyond that mental barrier. Mm-hmm. And then a lot of people have a hard time doing that. But people's minds are a lot stronger than they realize. And they just really need to dig in there. And realize that they can go out and do it if they if they're passionate enough about it. So, mm-hmm.
0: would you say like start small and like, yeah, do, like do like do yeah. like a day trip or something like that? Where yeah, you're like not doing some you know seven day backpack right. hunt. Or yes,
1: so that is a thing. I would not start with a big long trip. Like maybe an overnight or even or maybe a two day. Just like start really small. So like my first like bigger solo trip where I left my vehicle um, was I think three years ago or four years ago, I took my horse with me. I parked uh, on BLM land and I rode in with him. And I literally just took a tiny little single person tent. I took some, you know, freeze-dried food. Um, I went back in there. Um, I literally had a 200-foot line uh, that it ties around some trees, left my horse there, and I went hunting. And <laughs> thank goodness he's a great horse, but <laughs> um, that was like my first like big solo, not from my vehicle hunt. Mm-hmm. And that was a three-day hunt. Um, and it was awful. It rained and snowed the whole time. I did not have extra pair of boots and they were soaked. I did have extra socks, but that didn't help because my boots were so wet. Right. Um, (laughs) but it was a really awesome learning experience as well. Um, I just like definitely start small with like a fewer days, but the more you're going to go out and do that, the more you're going to learn. And I think the more you're going to feel confident about, um, you know, Going out longer and learning more things.
0: Mm-hmm. So, yeah, and one thing with that too, and and really this is probably every hunt, but um, like like you may not get, heck, you probably won't get one. Like not to not to be negative, right? Yep. But like you know. Odds are, oftentimes, like you got to grunt like you said, you were like hunting for thirty, like thirty days in yeah, September ish, right? <laughs> yep. And like got one opportunity, and you know, unfortunately, uh, it will haunt you for the rest of your life, like all the similar <laughs> opportunities. But man, I swear, I swear, you like those not because they like aggravate you, but you just you remember those ones, and I think it's because yep. those are those hard won lessons, it's a right? Very
1: hard lesson. Yep.
0: Um, but uh, anyway, with that, though, just be cognizant of like the amazing wins that you are getting that day like it's not about that oh I got one it's like oh I spent the day by myself and I was able to do that today like that's a win right like uh, I had wet feet for three days and I you know what (laughs) I I gutted it out and I'm proud of that and it was fine (laughs) and my feet are still attached you know so um, yeah I think I think we have to remind ourselves and it's hard right because you have this this end thing inside or this goal or, or a way you picture it but man, there's so many wins that you can, you know, put in the old check plus right. pile.
1: Well, it's like they say, you know, like hunting is 99%, you know, just being outdoors, 1% killing. Like, and that's, like, a big thing is, like, I don't look at my, like, obviously want to harvest an animal, you know, that's filling our freezer and everything. But I look at all the other things that come with the hunt, you know, the challenge, the things you get to see, like, mm. experience. Like, I've seen some incredible things that, like, you would only see on National Geographic or even that. Like, mm-hmm. it's it's really amazing. And I think that's, like, why I'm so, like, addicted to it as well because um, there's just so much out there. Um, but, yeah, you got to just stay positive and look at the good things about it and, I've definitely learned to do that as well because, like, starting out, like, I'd look at the negatives and, like, that's just not the way to go about it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I just definitely look at those little things and stay positive and, you know, like, th- I think that energy will come back to you and you get your opportunity, you know? So, yep. I mean.
0: Yeah, the yeah. things you get to see, ugh, I, I try, and I'm guilty of probably, like, a lot of hunters because you are just, like, you're so focused, you right. know? And, and sometimes it can be difficult to, like, pull yourself mm-hmm. back and be like, oh, I really need to appreciate what's going on around me, but, um, I mean, I feel like it's written to like, Oh, why I hunt podcast. But, um, I think it's something that hunters are so passionate about, but you will see, you will see things and you're like, man, like really, really few people will ever see anything like that in their lifetime. And they're very special, very awesome things. Um, even when we were chatting about whitetail hunting earlier, I was like, and I, I'd almost forgotten. I'm like, Oh man, like I saw that this, you know, (laughs) this insanely, like I had these, two does and a small buck yeah, i wasn't gonna tell the story and i'm gonna tell the story getting into story time <laughs> what like walk like right by me super close i was rifle hunting fr- on the ground and like i i was in all this tall grass this, w- this was in wisconsin and all the grass just had this like crazy frost all around it and as these deer are walking by i can see the breath coming out of their mouths and they're getting backlit by a rising sun oh, and i'm gosh. and they're like five yards away and i'm like Dude, who gets to see this? Oh, Nobody. so
1: beautiful. I can just see it in my head. Oh, it was like, to this gorgeous. day, I'm like,
0: yeah, I'm like, this is like, that was like one of those you're like, oh, yeah, I'll remember that one. Like, it, it was awesome. So, oh, that's amazing. Well, let's talk a little bit. Let's transition. <laughs> I don't want, I want to talk about hunting all day right. as, as per usual. <laughs> let's talk about um, your art because you are a phenomenal, phenomenal artist. So maybe like, how did you, have you always been into art? Is that something that developed later in life? Maybe talk about that a little bit.
1: Yeah. Um, no, I've been drawing since I was very little. So, (laughs) um, my mom called me the seek and destroy child when I was a toddler, because I like to go and, you know, just try things like see how things worked. And, and so, I got into a lot of things, whatever. And the day she finally gave me a pen and pencil, like all of that stopped, and all of my creative energy went into drawing. Wow! And so, um, yeah, I've been drawing since I was very little. Maybe I don't even know, just very young. And that's literally what I've done since I was, yeah, young. Um, and so I grew up drawing mainly horses because I was definitely, you know, that little horse girl. Mm-hmm. Um. My family didn't have horses, but my aunt did, and I would take op- any opportunity I could to go over and ride her horses with my cousins. Um, so I just focused on drawing lots of horses, and then um, once I started getting a little older and learned more about hunting, it kind of transi- transitioned into more wildlife. I think that really broadened my um, skill in art as well. Um, it just, like, really opened up a lot of doors for me. Um And I'm I'm very passionate about it, you know, the elk and the deer. And, like, my favorite thing to draw is elk. It's, like, my main number one subject, and I love it. Um, But, yeah, I've been drawing for a very long time, and luckily I've been able to make it, you know, my full-time job, which is a super awesome thing to have, especially, you know, being so passionate about hunting as well. I get to choose when I get to go out and, like, all these things. And so it's been very, very rewarding, um, and I feel very, like, lucky and fortunate to be able to have that as my job. Um, you know, and be able to like pick my own schedule for like anything.
0: Mm -hmm. How has hunting like influenced your art? Do you draw a lot of inspiration for your art from your hunts?
1: Yeah, I have. So, um, like we were talking about earlier, just like being able to see the things we see that has definitely inspired a lot of my drawings. Um, I also have a very like photographic mind and like I'll see an image in my head and I'll put a, you know, a sketch on a paper. And it might be a little sketch and I might make it bigger later. But I want to get that image out of my mind onto this piece of paper. Um, and so it has really kind of... Um, oh my gosh, what am I... What's the word I'm looking for? Well, basically, I guess, just like the whole wildlife um, part has just like really just expanded, I guess, my whole like artist uh, area, I guess. I don't really know how mm-hmm. to put that. Um but, yeah, like, I uh, have drawn lots of photos of, like, either hunts that I've been on um, where I've actually guided somebody and they killed an animal. And they like, can you recreate the one oh, the wow. before he killed my animal? And I'm like, most definitely. And I've done that a few times, which I've really, really loved. I've, you know, done commissions for somebody and, like, I just want a mule deer. It's like, okay, well, um, I had this one commission. They wanted some mule deer. And I was like... I had a hunt um, in Salmon, Idaho, where it was the archery in December, archery hunt in December, Mm -hmm. and I shot a doe. And where I shot her and where she, like, um, died at was beautiful. Like, it was just on this really steep face, and you can see the mountains in the background with the pines. And so I used that, and I put her in there with a really, really pretty buck. And that was, like, kind of one of those drawings I used um, from an experience I had. Or, you know, like, a really cool elk experience where there's bulls just coming and screaming through the trees. You know, like, I just love to draw that kind of stuff um, and whatnot. And I'm still, like, trying to, like, work on broadening what I draw. Um, but that's very much a very big subject. Um,
0: yeah, yeah. I mean, um, so, and you've, like, you've had some, like, so it sounds like you're doing, like, you know, um, pieces for, like, clients that you've guided, which we'll probably get into that a little bit <laughs> also as well. But um uh, and then like some heavy hitter like clients in in like the outdoor industry. Right. So like what like you're working on a couple pieces right now, yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, So literally they just kind of <laughs> like I'll ask them what do you want. And they're like, oh, we want you to have free reign. It's like okay, we'll just give me a little bit of something. Right. And they're like, okay, well, we want elk. I'm like, ah, okay. <laughs> 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 or sometimes um, they'll be like, well, this is like where our company is based out of, and we have this mountain. Like, could you incorporate that? And I'm like, of course. And so. You know, I'm doing one right now where I'm incorporating a mountain that they can see out their window and it's going to have a herd of elk, um, you know, in the foreground and that mountain in the background. Um, So I really do love to like incorporate like real life into my drawings, whether that's a place or an actual animal that somebody harvested. I, I really love doing that.
0: What, um, is there a particular median, median that you like, do like all the time? Like, um, or do you like paint and you know, sketch, or what do you do there?
1: So, I've done just about everything, but my, like, my main medium is graphite, pencil, Mm -hmm. and charcoal, Um, and then second to that is probably ink, so pen and ink, and I do pastel as well, and colored pencil, but, and a little bit of paint, and I would like to get more into paint. It's just a lot more time-consuming and expensive, but um, right now, it's definitely my graphite, and that's what most of my big pieces are and, like, what my commission pieces are.
0: Mm-hmm. We'll probably, we'll probably, uh, we'll recap this at the end, but if, like, if a person wanted to check your art out, like, where would be a good place to do that?
1: Um, definitely just my website, LydiaSmithArt.com. Pretty simple, you know, um, straightforward, and it has, like, um, contact information as well as, like, drawings I have done. So
0: so cool. Well, while you're listening, you can Google this and be like, oh, I'm going to listen and uh, be visually stimulated. So um, very cool. What uh, anything uh, anything on on the horizon uh, with your art? Any big projects coming up that you're excited about?
1: Yep. I have a few that I probably won't disclose who they're who they are uh, for um, just because I don't know what their plan is with it. Mm -hmm. But I have um, two that are pretty big that. I have a time cap on, so that's going to be really fun. <laughs> and then I have another one that's actually for a local company of mine that um, I'm sponsored with. It's uh, Shank Knives out mm-hmm. of Idaho Falls, um, so I'm doing one with them as well, and that one's going to be really fun. So,
0: awesome, awesome. Well, so you, you touched on this a little bit earlier. So uh, you're also a hunting guide at times. Mm-hmm. So how did how did you get into that?
1: So. Going back to like, I really love doing things like on my own. Um, I hate retail jobs. I hate any job where you have to sit down and, you (laughs) know, do whatever you're inside. And so I was like, I really want to go guide. And this was right before I got into hunting. Um, I looked on Craigslist and there was a, uh, opening for a Wrangler in Stanley for an outfitter and I'm good with horses. And I was like, that sounds like a blast. I'm going to try it. And, um, he accepted my application, and I went out at 18. Um, yeah, so I think I was 18, and I went out, and I took my horse, and I left. Um, I stayed in Stanley for two and a half, three months, and I lived out there. Um, and that was an awesome experience. I learned a ton about packing and just, you know, like, guiding really big rides and, like, all these things. And that's, like, where my guiding started was with summer trips um, on horseback. Um After that, it's like, I want to keep doing this. And so I did that again in West Yellowstone. And then I went into hunting. And my first guiding job was in Utah. Um, And that was very fun. Um, An absolute blast. I've guided in New Mexico. And I think next year I'm going to start guiding privately in my home state of Idaho. So um, I absolutely love it because I'm still hunting. I may not be the one killing. But I'm getting, you know, to help people find animals and get to share that experience with them. And a lot of them are first-time hunters of certain animals. And I just love sharing that with them. I just think it's such a cool experience. Um, I just, yeah, I just really love it.
0: No, that's super cool. And and really, like you said, what a way to extend your season. Like if you want to be outside and you want to be hunting, you know, in your home state, you might get, you know, one or two tags a year. Then you're like, oh, where am I going to go? (laughs) Out of state, out of state, out of state. Like, you you know, I mean, which I'm sure you'll still do those things, but you definitely (laughs) get to uh, increase the volume of in-state
1: hunting that you'll get to do. And also furthering your knowledge. So Mm -hmm. continuing to learn through the season, which is really awesome. Um, but yeah, it's, it's super cool. It's, you know, part-time, um, after my art, my art job, so.
0: Awesome. Um, so yeah, so you got into guiding via horses. You got, uh, or horses were your, your first, I guess, or or one of your first subjects in, in your art career. What about, um, it sounds like there's a little bit of an interesting story with the horse that you have now, Mm -hmm. not necessarily like, Hey, I went to the horse store and got one. (laughs)
1: yeah so that's a pretty cool thing i've all i've always kind of been fascinated with mustangs um you know it's a very cons- uh, controversial topic you know like all these things and i understand both sides of it very well um anyways i think i was 17 at this point and there was an extreme mustang makeover that was happening in idaho and what that is
0: move that horse <laughs> oh wait yeah. no Wrong sh- okay <laughs>
1: uh, um anyways so what that is is uh you uh, put in an application, um, and if you get accepted, they give you a random Mustang that comes off um, HMAs, which is a herd management area, mm-hmm. and uh, you get assigned this horse, and you have 90 days to train it, and then you go and compete with other trainers in their Mustangs they were assigned. And um, in the adult division, the whole purpose of this uh, program is to get these horses to, get adop- to be adopted. Mm-hmm. And so at the end, they go for auction. Um, but the youth division, I was still young enough to be in that one. You could get the chance, uh, or the option to keep your horse or you can have, you know, auction it and they can go to different owner. And I was like, mom, like, (laughs) 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 listen, (laughs) I had one horse at the time, uh, but I was like, this is an amazing opportunity that I would love to try. I've always been very, um, into like working with horses and training them and, um, I just, I just really, really wanted this experience. And so she's like, yeah, go for it. I'm like, awesome. And I put in my application and I got accepted as a trainer and I went and picked up my horse from the Boise wild horse facility and a completely random draw. He was a really, really pretty sorrel gelding. Um, had 90 days to train him and I went to Nampa and competed with him and we placed third. Um, and He was the first horse that I trained from the ground up Mm -hmm. with no human um, contact except for being squeezed into chutes and like getting branded and wormed and stuff. Um, But he, yeah, he's an incredible horse that I got to train. I learned so much with him. Um, He's a horse that I took uh, elk hunting with me. I've gone on numerous uh, backcountry trips with him, horse rides, like, cattle drives, you name it. Like, he's a really cool horse, and he really showed kind of, like, what these Mustangs were capable of. Um, So, I just, like, fell in love with it, and he's literally a a one-in-a-million horse, and I got super lucky. He's beautiful for a Mustang. He's tall for a Mustang. I just lucked out big time. Um, But, yeah, I actually would like to eventually... Uh, start training part-time as well uh, once I get a facility for it but I don't really have that right now (laughs) (laughs) that's all right
0: (laughs) well I mean it sounds like with you know just the little that you have going on you could use a few more things to you know fill your downtime so (laughs) yeah (laughs) uh so you said so you said and just because I'm I'm not a I'm not a I'm not a horse smith (laughs) uh what so you said it was a what kind of gilding then or it was
1: so gilding just means he's been castrated so okay um a non castrated horse would be called a stallion okay so yep
0: what and then what did does he have like specific specific he's not from the pacific <laughs> uh uh like coloring to him or something like that or yeah
1: so a sorrel is just like a red based horse they kind of have like a reddish brown color Um, they can have kind of different tones of mane. He actually had a very flaxen mane and tail, which is blonde when I got him. Hmm. And at the age of three, it totally changed on me. Now it's almost black. It's very interesting. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. I don't see that very, you don't see that very often in horses. Um, so that's kind of weird, but he's just a solid sorrel with a little like white marking, which you call a star right on his forehead. Mm -hmm. Um, he's just a very pretty well-built Spanish looking horse and... I mean, non-horse people probably don't really know what that means, but, um, Spanish looking it just means he looks like horses bred from Spain or like, okay. kind of like Spanish bred, kinda mm-hmm. kinda, Yeah.
0: And so it's like, <laughs> what's, so the, the WMA that, that he was on, I mean, these are, sen- or the, excuse me, the HMA, sorry. Um, like these are essentially, I mean, they're, they're, they're wild horses. Yep, Public
1: land, just running, ran- Yep. Just like yep. wild game.
0: But kind of like feral at this. I mean, like. They're feral. Yeah. Yeah. So are they trying to kind of like remove a certain amount of them off the landscape because of like, you know, like you said, I, I know people will fall on either side of yep. like you should or shouldn't be doing right. that. But I think it it has to do with impact on the landscape to some degree.
1: hundred percent. So um, there's only so much. Uh, and I can't remember what they call it. I know it's super simple, but it's just not coming to my uh to my like head right now, but it's basically the capacity that the land can hold for like oh, feeding like and, caring and capacity, foraging yeah. and, and basically grazing for animals. Especially with competition between livestock and wild game, wild horses just have kind of like the out on that. They're the less important ones, mm-hmm. and so um, it's a big deal to go round them up. And a lot of people don't agree with that because you know the roundups can be a little much, mm-hmm. um, like you know stuff's gonna happen horses might get hurt it's not like they're trying to you know you know make it a mess but they're wild horses like what can you expect and so a lot of people don't agree with it and think they should uh, stay on the land and i agree with that too you know like they're part of our history Mm -hmm. um you know spaniards coming to america and bringing the horses and that's kind of like how they were introduced and you know the old westerners you know horses escaping and breeding it's just like a part of our history and so Mm -hmm. i think it is important to not remove them completely but it's so hard because um there's so many areas where they are overpopulated. Right. Nevada has the highest population of uh mustangs. That's actually where my horse came from. Okay, cool. Um so they do what they can. They'll sterilize a lot of females um and uh I think yeah, I think they mostly sterilize sterilize mares, which are the females and they'll release them back out and uh they'll round up what they can. A lot of times they actually have to due to fires or just, you know, the land can't handle it, like all of these different things, but they definitely get the short end of the stick um, when it comes to like being out there and whatnot. There's a lot of herds that are very malnourished and it's just because there's not enough food Mm -hmm. in most places for them.
0: Yeah. I think, you know, the way, just the way things are set up and the way, you know, I mean, humans, I mean, we're here, yep. and you know we're here too. And the way we interact with the landscapes, and the way we, um, and I guess I'm speaking definitely from like an outside <laughs> end view of this because I'm not, you know, an expert when it comes to this. But you know, you look at the, you know, the model, the, the the North American model of game management, and how we do those things, and the wildlife, you know, all wildlife that's on the landscape is is a part of that. And you know, you can't really say, well, we're gonna do it for all these things. But not this one over here. Like yep. it's just it's just not really going to work optimally that way. So and and it's probably you know it's in the best in my opinion my opinion. But like the best interest for the horses as well. When oh, you're talking I agree. about herds that are you know malnourished, it's like well, would you rather have a healthy healthy population or one that's you know suffering? Exactly.
1: So. And not only that, but like the holding facilities that are holding these mustangs, it's costing them so much money. The BLM is literally putting so much money into like keeping these horses. Um, And so, another, like, really big topic is, like, a lot of these horses get sent to slaughter. Oh, eesh, yeah. Yeah, and so, obviously, I get that. I do. Um, But they do their best to be able to get these horses adopted, which is why they started this program. Um, You can also just, like, go to a facility and buy one for $125 if your, you know, your uh, facility can uphold, like, a Mustang. You have to have certain qualifications or something. Mm -hmm. Um, But, yeah, like, people need to realize that... Since we're here, and there's just not the whole world for them to go wherever. They have to be managed. Same with like the wild game. We have to manage wild game, and a lot of hunters don't realize that. They think we go out, go out shooting them willy nilly, which is completely false. Mm-hmm. You know, we have certain amount of tags. They, we have quotas. Like all of these things, and it's to keep it balanced and healthy. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's like a really big topic um, in the whole like horse industry, but mm-hmm. yeah, it's pretty interesting.
0: Well, and then like yours is such a cool story. You know, and that you can see, like, oh wow! Like, look at this. I w- I was able to do this and train this horse and adopt this horse and have it be like a really big part of your life, and you have a connection to that horse, and that yeah. you know, I truly believe that horse has a connection to you. I mean, you see, um, you just you can see that, and it, with people, I mean, they they are connected to those animals. Yeah. Like, it is a very real, real relationship, just like your dogs. Yep. yep. So. um, cool, man. No, uh, I dig it. So yeah, I I was trying to convince Jim, uh, who I co-host the podcast with quite a bit. uh, I was like, hey, we need to uh, go uh, try and uh, be a part of that process and like document that process of, you know, getting, uh, you know, getting a horse and and training it. And then we just uh, realized like, man, that would be, uh, that might be a lot of work. Yeah, it is. (laughs) What, uh, and because you yeah. did do it, th- maybe talk a little bit about about that process. Like, what was it different than, you know, the horse? I would assume it was different than, you know, some of the training that you'd done in the mm-hmm. past. Like, I mean, you are literally starting from ground yep. zero.
1: Yep. So, um, I actually personally think it's better. And the reason for that is... If you buy a horse that's already been kind of like messed around with people, they oftentimes have bad habits from people. And so when you get a Mustang, it's a completely clean slate and you're literally just working with the animal itself. And so for me, I find that very, very fun and exciting, Um, being able to gain this animal's trust. And for me, it's a very like trust process. Like I work on his time, not my time. And so with him, like, the first thing I did was just get in that round pen, and I just would sit on the other side of it, you know, maybe have a little bit of hay, and if he wanted to come over, he'd come over, and i just kind of let him hang out. And uh, that first day, I was able to touch him and everything. And oh, wow. He he was a very, like, he, he wanted a leader, and horses want leaders. That's how their herd works. mm mm-hmm. um, And so he was looking for a leader, and so he was very willing to want to, like, know what I was. Mm-hmm. And so that was a very helpful thing because there's a lot of horses out there who don't want to know that and they don't give a crap. And (laughs) you're going to have a big fight with them, you know, and and it might take a long time and they might finally come around. Um, But each horse is different. And so you just have to kind of read the animal uh, per se. Uh, With him, it was very fun training him. Um, He was a very good-minded horse. I was able to get on his back within the first week.
0: Oh my gosh. Wow. Mm -hmm. I would have thought it would (laughs) have taken like a lot longer than that I well guess. it
1: depends on the horse I got very lucky with him um but there were definitely some things that he was not very willing to like accept at first which is really funny he accepted the saddle before he accepted the saddle pad which is the blanket that goes underneath it and you'd think the saddle would be a lot scarier yeah <laughs> and so it's like really funny horses are quirky um and that was his thing he just hated it and it was it was To a point where it could be dangerous, you know, like he would just run and not think about where he was going, which is very dangerous with an animal that's very huge compared to you.
0: And like, are you on the course? No. Okay.
1: No. So I do ground training first, which is where I just train him with me on the ground and him uh, just like watching kind of, I guess, Mm -hmm. or just teaching him. Um, And so I think it took me, I don't know, a Couple of weeks, like a week or two, for him to finally not freak out or get really nervous about this saddle blanket. Um, so it like is like
0: you said. It's so it's like, oh, this big hard <laughs> leather thing that's with super like rigid. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that, yeah, with straps. That's fine. <laughs> soft, soft, cozy blanket. Nah, not so much. I'm mean, gonna. I got a problem with that. I
1: almost wonder, honestly, if it was the color of the pad and kind of the way it looks so it was like kind of a striped pad and it was uh, red and white okay I think and I remember putting it in the middle of the round pen and he just ran circles forever and he was just working up a sweat I'm like oh my gosh and so I took it out and I like left it on one side of the panel and he just stayed on the other side and he was just like I'm not going to it like he's <laughs> snorting they like do this thing where they just snort and that means like they're nervous and they just don't want to go up to it um But eventually I worked him through it. Like I'd put it on the panel kind of close to the gate and I'd walk him through the gate and he'd kind of be like really like about it. And I just kept walking him in and out. I'd pet him. It's like, oh, I didn't get you. You know, like you just be patient with them. And they start licking their lips, which is a sign of like relaxing and understanding. Okay. And uh, I just like kind of kept moving it closer and closer to the gate and to the point where he could cross through the gate without being all freaked out about it. And then I'd grab the blanket and I'd hold it to his face once he was good with going through the gate Um, let him sniff it. He'd still be a little weird about it. And I'd start petting him with the blanket to show him it's like, it's not going to hurt you, all this stuff. And you just kind of work through it, baby steps. Um, and uh, the horses like usually will come around to that. You just kind of got to do it at their time. You don't like, I know a lot of people like obviously chain horses differently, but I don't think forcing something is the best way to especially gain that horse's trust. hmm um, which I think is a big, uh, which I think is a big thing. So, um, he was typically like very easy to gain trust, but like working through certain objects was a little harder. Um, I've worked with other horses who are a lot harder just to gain their trust. Um, I worked with a 10 year old stallion, Mustang, so he was uncastrated and usually they're a lot more aggressive and stubborn, um, and more dangerous. Luckily he wasn't a very aggressive horse, which was really nice. Um, but, I mean, it took me several weeks to even be able to just touch him because he wow. was just so, like, not interested in people and all these things. And eventually, like, I got to the point where I could just brush his neck and I started braiding his hair, just kind of, like, getting him used to me, like, touching him and being around him. But, like, all horses are different. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and I worked with tons of horses guiding, you know, like, working with green horses. And a green horse is a horse that is not very well trained. They're very new. Um, so I've ridden a lot of green horses on trail rides and have a few (laughs) little rodeos along the way. (laughs) (laughs) It's, it's, I love it, but I mean, every horse is different and you kind of just got to work with how they are. So,
0: yeah, I mean, it is interesting, you know, I've only been, I've been around horses, like a handful of times, but yeah, like they all have just their unique personalities and they are quirky. And like when you're like new, like if you've never ridden that horse before, like you kind of, you don't really know (laughs) their quirks. And, uh, yeah, you know, I think uh, any horse that I've probably been on, they either, uh, I was not the leader. (laughs) Uh, They made that very clear. (sighs) Um, but, uh, they are cool though. They are cool. I love them. You know, it's, it's funny you talk about, uh, even like your first, uh, and i probably mentioned this on the podcast before too, cause I thought it was funny or not funny, but I hunted off horses for uh deer with a couple guys and they're like awesome guys. And, and they loved horses. And I think, I mean, they were definitely more interested in riding horses than You're hunting right. deer. <laughs> um, and, uh, so we hunted for like four days and then, uh, basically we got a late start on like the last morning and we were uh, going into camp and we're, and I basically I spotted a mule deer like off the road and like, I was like, dude, I'm, been hunting you know like we hadn't had one opportunity and so like it's just funny that I rode horses for you know two days and you know found a, found a uh, buck off the road you know on a piece of public and was able to go after them and get them but
1: that's funny how it happens like that sometimes
0: but I felt like I earned that one I was like it's not like <laughs> it's not like we hadn't hunted hard it wasn't my hardest hunt at the end of the day right. or at least that day but um like I said it's just it's just funny how it goes down so um very cool very cool um. Anything else? Anything else we should know about you, Lydia? I mean, you've, you're a very <laughs> interesting human being. Uh. You know. And I know it's probably hard. You know. It's like, oh, here. You know. Let's uh. Let's make you talk about yourself for <laughs> you know an hour. But um.
1: It's kind of like those main three things. Honestly, like hunting, horses, and art. It's kind of like really what, uh, like I'm driven, uh, behind. I guess. Mm-hmm. Driven with. So, um, I'm sure there's like other little things about me, and you know, everyone has their little like you know, hobbies and, and things they like, but that's kind of the main thing, um, that I kind of live for, I guess.
0: Yeah. Well, and it's absolutely amazing that you've been able to like essentially create a career in the outdoors, um, really tying all your passions together. So, I mean, and I think, you know, your independent nature, um, was a big part of leading you to that. So that's, um, super cool. Um. Okay. Well, you already covered. I had some. I had some questions here. At, oh my gosh. I got. <laughs> I got like seventeen other things that I didn't even cover here. We might have to have another <laughs> podcast with you. Um. We'll do some. We'll do. Some, we'll finish up with a couple. Uh. Easy ones. So you already covered your favorite. I was going to ask you what your favorite subject was, but you said that was elk. So. Um. Th- these are some. Uh. Hunting questions. Maybe more hunting specific. If you had to pick. Bow or rifle. Bow. Okay. <laughs> undoubtedly <laughs> all right then we'll choose your adventure on this one <laughs> fixed blade or expandable
1: uh fixed blade oh. and i think a really big reasoning for that is because idaho you are not legally allowed oh. to use of uh expandable
0: that is true that is true but
1: so. um i do think also personally like i think i do just like the fixed blade because i feel like they're a lot tougher and they're not gonna have as many mis- uh, malfunctions if they are to have one
0: i agree i agree um okay uh well, this might be a tough one for you because you hunt so many different things. Favorite day to hunt. If you're going to pick, now you're going to have to pick probably what you're hunting for within within this question, but
1: Like like a very specific day?
0: I'm t- I'm talking like <laughs> September 14th. <laughs> uh September 10th. September. Okay. That's a good day. <laughs> um and then maybe uh maybe uh the last one uh what's uh what's next? I think we maybe covered a little bit of this, but like, is there something that you just you haven't taken on yet? But you're like, man, this is what uh, I got this on the docket.
1: Well, my plan this year was to build a recurve um, and oh. hunt my elk uh, with that, but that kind of didn't happen. So my plan is to do that same thing next year, and I think that's like my next big thing is to go and try and get a bull with a recurve. Um, cause I just I love the challenge and the whole traditional like style like just really intrigues me. Um, so that's like my next like really big thing that I'm pushing for. Um, per se, I mean I don't really have any like fancy out of state hunts or anything really planned mm-hmm. yet. Anyways, so. right, mm-hmm.
0: right, awesome. Uh, I can tell you so Gemini. Built a couple self bows with Clay Hayes, Mm -hmm. so I guess shameless plug. uh, If you want to check that out, you can check it on the (laughs) Vortex Nation podcast YouTube page or on uh, any of your preferred podcast platforms. But um, wild process, like so cool. I mean, Clay like obviously helped us a lot through the process, but he also gave us a lot of leash. Like, you know, Jim was like full send. I'd be like, okay, what about this? And he'd be like, yeah. Just keep shaving Just wood, you know, and I'm like, <laughs> all right, well, I'll keep shaving wood till you tell me not to, you know, oh, so but, funny. uh, the end, pro- like, it was really amazing. You know, I'm not like a, a woodworker or anything like that. Right. I had no experience. Uh, you know, you know, Clay, what's this one do? Uh, <laughs> uh, but, uh, it was cool and I'm, I'm looking forward to hunting with that and That'll be awesome. I think it'll be, I think it'll be pretty fun. So I think Heck, you'll yeah. have a lot of fun with that as well. I think so. So, Awesome. Well, Lydia, thank you so much for making the time thank to you. join us today. A uh, super fun conversation. Just really excited about everything that you have going on. And just seems like uh, really, really, truly cool, unique, fun stuff. And, uh, yeah, good on you for making it happen. Well, thank so, you. But, uh, and that wraps it up for this one, Vortex Nation. So hopefully you enjoyed listening as much as I enjoyed talking to <laughs> Lydia. If people want to check you out, I know we hit it a little bit before Lydia, but where can they find you?
1: Um, if you want to look at my art, go ahead and search up Lydia Smith, You can also do that on Instagram, which is Lydia underscore Smith underscore art. And then personal on Instagram is Lydia Smith zero zero.
0: Awesome. Check it out. You won't be disappointed. There you have it folks. Thank you very much for listening as usual. Give this video a like, if you liked it, comment something below and give us a subscribe to the vortex nation podcast channel. It would mean a lot to us. Also, why don't you give us a follow over on Instagram while you're at it, at Vortex Nation Podcast. We'd love to hear from you over there, and we'll keep you updated with all kinds of cool photos and videos from our adventures that we do here. Otherwise, we will see you on the next one. Thank you again. Happy hunting and shooting, everybody. Have a good one.